All right, friends, from all around the entire universe, uh, this is yet another... Another sagacious episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. A what? Sagacious. It's a... Okay, uh, if we're going to be using big words, I should just get out of here right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I might need to leave, too. Sagacious <laughs> sounds like some kind of a cyst or something. Nah, not at all. It, it's a 17th century Latin word, Kevin, meaning having oh, or showing keen mental discernment and good judgment. Oh, so that's not this show at Everything all. Everything we are, not. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, welcome to V8 Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Oste, joined, as always, by our uh, 17th century esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. And uh, today, we have yet another very, very special guest, our good friend, Mr. Nick Scavo. Nick, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're, you're always welcome. <laughs> and uh, to those people who uh, to listen to this show, it doesn't matter what hemisphere you're in, uh, we, we start off every V8 radio episode with some sort of automotive trivia question, uh, <clears throat> kind of, I guess. And uh, we use these as a little bit of a teaser, you know, so people listen to the question in the beginning of the show. We don't tell the answer until the end. So that's our big bait and switch, you know, to make people listen to this because, uh, you know, we're, we're assuming that they haven't figured out the fast forward button yet. And I'm, I'm sticking to that. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, um, you are our, our guest today, so uh, we'll have you go first. Did you prepare a trivia question? And I hope you didn't ask our friend Eric. <laughs> oh, no. Nobody told me there was homework. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not my fault. The dog ate it. <laughs> I got hit by a truck. <laughs> there was locusts. <laughs> An old friend came in from out of town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, the only thing I, I thought of, uh, was, uh, what year did the 409 first come out, uh, in, in a Chevrolet? What year did the first 409 come out? That's a tricky one. That's a, uh, that's a good one. Because I'm a giver, I'm going to let Mike take you the first stab. You are the nicest person in the world, Kev. Aren't I? Aren't I? Oh, totally. Remind me to thank you proper next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, first year that the 409 came out in a Chevrolet. I'm going to say, take a stab at this and say 1961. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Do you have a, uh, I'll, I'll add a bonus. Do you, do you have a car in mind that that might have come out in? The Bel Air. Chevy hmm. Bel Air. 61. All right. I will n- note this down. Mike says 1961 Bel Air. Nice. Thank you. I don't have my laptop open, so I can't verify if that's true. Well, you're not supposed to because uh, not yet. Know, we, we don't cheat on our end. So No. Yeah. I'm just uh, pacing back and forth as I'm walking through the kitchen. That's right. Uh, and it's not cheating. It's interpreting. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole theory on Nick Scavo. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so I'm. This is another rare occasion where I'm going to agree with Mr. Clark and say it was also 1961, and I'm going to say yeah. it was in the uh, uh, the Impala Supersport. Ooh, nice. I know. I know it was a. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Dear V8 Radio listeners. We interrupt this episode because it was at this point of the program that Nick Scavo red-lighted and prematurely gave the answer to his own trivia question. We feel this goes against our stalwart principles and would rob you, our loyal listeners, of the V8 radio experience you've come to rely on. 
We now return you to our program already in progress. Well, hold on. Whoa, 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 cowboy. We've got to hold that answer to the end of the show, my friend. Oh, got to keep I people see. hanging on here. How do you yeah, think people yeah, stay yeah, listening yeah. to this garbage? We might have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to edit that whole section out there where I explain how they could have made a million dollars just by investing in one thing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right well, we'll get to that in a minute. So, Okay, so next question's on the table. Mr. Uh, Q-Ball, do you, uh, did you prepare a question for us? Uh, our guest i did as a matter of fact and did you uh, author it yourself this time or was this well i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna qualify this question it it was it was inspired by our good friend yardley this it's my question but Mm -hmm. and and there's a few steps of how i got to it but uh it's it's definitely my question okay okay kevin so speaking of impalas um can you tell me and nick can you tell us uh, can you name all the different chassis platforms that the Chevrolet Impala was built on? And as, because I'm a giver, I'm going to allow <laughs> Nick, our guest, Just to go a first. Just a given, a given, a given. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so when you say platforms, are you saying like the letters? You know, yes. like a B body. I got to be honest with you, that's one I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I can tell you what years they were, but I, I couldn't tell you uh, the, 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 the number. I never followed that for some reason. I only know 65 and 6 Impalas. That's what I raced. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, well, you got to take a guess. Take, take a wild, hairy guess. Uh, G-body would be Malibu, right? Uh, F-body would be... I'm going to go... Uh... God, I don't know this one, but I'm going to say... I'm going to just say B-body, but I don't know that. I really don't. All right. So Nick says B-body. All right. Duly you can tell noted. I'm not cheating, because if I was cheating, I would be typing right now. I'd oh, like, yeah. Oh, You'd be <laughs> rattling off words like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. All right, Kevin, question to you. Okay, so I know that the Impala came out in 1958. So whatever the – there was basically only one car platform in 1958, right? I don't like know. One-size one Chevrolet, right? Beats me. Mm-hmm. So – I think the Chevrolet A-body platform actually started back in the 30s. We always think of it as the 60s, like Chevelle style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that in the 50s, it might have been on the A platform from, say, 58, 9. And then I know the B-body deal came in in the mid-60s. And the the A body changed in '64, so I think maybe '58 to '64, which is one Impala generation, as I deduce. I'm going to call that the A, and then I'm going to say it went to the B body, and then the later versions, I think, were an E body, right? Is it a C or Don't an look e? at me. Like, I don't uh, know. <laughs> like in the '90s, I think that was that might have still been I, a B body. I, I, yeah, but that's not a that's not an impala. That's no, no, no collaboration. Right. <laughs> that, that would be, we would call that Gentlemen. a police car. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's a turtle. Is what it is. Uh, that one so, that looked like a turned over bathtub. That's not an impala. No, I'm just teasing. It's okay. right. It's a bubble. <laughs> I love the bathtub impalas. Yeah. So I'm going to say two platforms just to get this nonsense over with. Okay. I'm going to say it was an A body and a B body at some point. A body and a B body. Kevin says. All right. Yeah. Very good. All right. That Last has been duly one. noted. 
duly noted. Mm-hmm. All right, my question to both of you guys, and uh, it's a softball, but uh, Mr. Scavo, and you'll, you'll get to go first, um, the NHRA, National Hot Rod Association, is a drag racing organization, and they give out a trophy at their uh, national meets and at the end of the year. What is the – who's the trophy named after? Wally Parks. Nick says – I don't think you knew that one, judging by how it came out. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the bonus, who was Wally Parks? If Or, or who was your guess, I should say? Seems the name well, I don't know what they would ref- I don't know what they, how they referred to him as. Right? Was he, the, was he considered the president? I don't even know what it was back in the day. I cannot answer I don't that. I don't even know if this I is would, right. I would say the originator of the, the NHRA. <laughs> Okay. One of the first guys. He had head cheese. Head. He had head cheese. Head cheese. Which is different from that. It is different. <laughs> it is different from from under. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do <Duly noted. laughs> Mike, you asked for this. Dang this is it. what happens. This I is know, it always does. Oh, it's just right, descending Mikey, into chaos. Do you want to take a guess on who the, uh, the the trophy is named after? I will take a guess, and I'm going to agree with Nick, and it is the Wally Parks trophy. And Wally Parks, uh, I, I don't know if he founded the NHRA, but he certainly was a huge uh, a huge force in the, in the NHRA as far as... Um, uh, safety and, and modernizing it and legitimizing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know what his, his exactly his title would be. He, he was the head cheese. Uh, yeah, yeah head no cheese. doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, duly noted. And uh, Very good. to our, uh, our esteemed handful of listeners around the planet Earth, you're going to have to wait till the end, our friends, to find out <laughs> what all this truly means. So today we are joined by our friend, Mr. Nick Scavo. Nick, uh, Nick and I go way back. Um, Nick is a guy who's been uh, uh, doing, doing it for real on the street, uh, on the track, in his garage. Uh, he's, uh, you know, America's favorite appliance repairman next to uh, Gordon Jump and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and favorite drag racer as well. So Nick, uh, welcome to the show. What have you been up to these days? Working on uh, appliances, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is a strange time for you because, uh, you know, we're all still, as we record this, in the uh, the COVIDs thing. And you legitimately, for your day job, you go into people's homes. I mean, how, how's that going? I do, but I, I, look like I'm a, I look like I'm a surgeon when I walk in the houses now. I'm wearing the, the you know, the N95 mask and, and gloves. And, yeah, you got to walk in the house looking like you're ready for surgery. Well, you kind of do anyway. I mean, when you you repair something, I mean, it's on. There's no monkey business. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it, it's it's been weird. I got to tell you though, because people are freaked out about letting you in their house. You know, what I mean, they're just. They're well, thinking, that's not new for you either. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean, in, in all honesty, though, you know, nowadays they're they're actually there's there's people. I mean, I had people. I have people who send their kids and their wives out of the house, and okay, I'll let you in the house now, and. And you're thinking, wow. I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a thing for sure. It's, it definitely has gotten in the way of me actually making a living. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, you're not the only one. So no doubt. No uh, doubt. Yeah. Hopefully you can, you can persist. Now, earlier today, when uh, we had kind of our little chat, you were on your way to somewhere far more fascinating. Uh, what was your, uh, what was your adventure today? I stopped by uh, fast times motor works, uh, just to, to visit a little bit. And, uh, 
they happened to be dyno and engine uh, while I was there. So I, I just stopped by just to, to kind of hang out. Yeah, right on. So for those who don't know the, the Fast Times, you know, kind of history and legacy and where they're at today, um, you've been kind of loosely and very involved with Fast Times over the years. Um, give us the, the nickel history on, on Fast Times and when you started kind of getting involved with those guys and what you're doing. Okay, so uh, in, in, I would say the, the 70s, believe it or not, 1970s, I, I went to a place to have an engine built. for. I had a 57 Chevy when I was 16 years old, and I wanted to put a blown alcohol big block Chevy in it, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, so I, right? I, I right? do believe so, it. Big <laughs> surprise. So, so I go to a place uh, that uh, a guy from a magazine, Doug Marion was his name, uh, he had said uh, – I would send him letters and say, you know, cause I was, I was a nerd, you know, I was your typical car guy, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. I, and I would send him letters and, and he would send me letters or respond back. And, and he had said to me, he goes, you know, you've got a really good engine place by you to build engines. You're lucky. And I, I didn't know who it was. And he goes, what's engines by Gary Brown. And he goes, they, they build some of the best engines in the country, you know, back in the day. And uh, well, so I, I said, I'm going to get my motor built by this guy at, at Engines by Gary Brown. Well, then I come later on to find out that Engines by Gary Brown was owned by Ed Ciccone. Ed Ciccone uh, built Tony Christian's world championship cars. Like when when Rear Morrison set records with a world championship demodified uh, production car, if I remember correctly, Tony Christian bought that car, took the engine out of it, Ed Ciccone built an engine and rebroke all the records. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah. then, then they actually accused him of modifying the engine that was already in the car. And, and oh. Ed said, that motor's not even in the car. You guys have no idea. I didn't even, he goes, I never even took it apart. I don't want to find out what somebody else does. I want to find out what I want to do. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I'm a 16 year old kid. and I bring a 454 Chevy to a, to uh, engines by Gary Brown. And I come on in walking in with all the pieces and I told him I wanted to build a blown alcohol big block. And he looked at me and I was 16 years old, you know, and, and Ed said, okay, well, first of all, if you're, are you serious? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm looking at him going, yeah, I'm, I'm really serious. Was this goes, like okay. the money question? Like, yeah, you know. no, like, are you really serious? You want, you yeah. think you're going to put a blown alcohol big block in a car and drive it on the street? Sure. Right. And I go, yeah, that's what I want. He goes, okay, well, let's start by, see that crankshaft there. That's called a cast iron crankshaft. He goes, throw that in the garbage. <laughs> and he goes we're, we're gonna you're gonna get a forged crank you're gonna buy these 7 rods back in the day mm-hmm. so he told me what pieces i needed and on the way out of the shop it was me and my dad walking together i took the 454 cast iron crankshaft and i threw it in the dumpster nice. and on the way out of the shop uh i i threw three eighths connecting rods i threw those away because mm-hmm. I, I had the motor completely disassembled when i brought all the pieces to him and then i just started accumulating pieces and before you know it i had a 454 chevy that ed built and uh, uh, my friend Eric, actually Eric Van Berkham from Performance uh, Precision Performance, back in the day, he's still my friend to this day. Uh, he's my longest friend, believe it or not. Uh, I don't, he's, he's not so, that he's long. Only, I, well, if you lay him down, he's about five foot eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, he, uh, <laughs> Eric is one of our longest friends too. <laughs> he, uh, he he ported the heads, and he got me a set of aluminum D ports. And that was the motor that I had, and and uh, somehow my black Impala got in the middle of that, where I I wound up building a '65 Impala. Mm-hmm. And the gist of this whole story is I street raced against Chuck Samuel, 
or my cousin Chuck was actually driving the car, but it was a motor that I did and I built the nitrous system for. And we street raced against Chuck Samuel out of Superdog. <clears throat> and that's how I met Chuck Samuel. And Chuck Samuel then started or worked with Jeff D'Augustino at Fast Times Motorworks, making a long story really long. That's mm-hmm. how Fast Times got in. And that's where my, my, my motors were all built from that day on. Every motor, you know, we, we did everything together there. So, so at what point did, did Gary Brown become Fast Times? So Gary Brown was technically, from the story I get, he was technically an electrician. Hmm. And he owned Fast Times. I'm sorry, he owned Engines by Gary Brown. But he didn't want to deal with people. He didn't want to deal with the public of it. It was Ed Ciccone who was able to do that better. And actually, Ed was Ed really is probably one of the smartest guys I know to this day. I mean, hmm. I, he's forgotten more than, I mean, really, he's so smart. And uh, he he... Even though uh, it was it was Gary Brown's name on the on the wall, it was Ed Ciccone who was really running the show. Yeah, that's cool. And what's and long, another long story even longer is Jeff D'Agostino, who owns Fast Times or owned Fast Times. Uh, his wife is Debbie uh, Ciccone, which is Ed Ciccone's daughter. So barely, we don't really go more farther than a couple blocks to marry people. We like to stay really close. <laughs> yeah, well, you go with what you know, you know. <laughs> So uh, it, it becomes fast times. Jeff ends up, uh, did Jeff work there? And So J- Jeff worked there when he was 15 years old. And back in the day, they didn't even have a, uh, you know, a Sun and CK-10 is a machine that automatically strokes when it's boring a cylinder block, or actually when it's honing, right? Well, back in the day, Jeff was a little powerhouse. So he would put him on a bucket. He would actually stand on a bucket. The block would be sitting on its side and Jeff would manually hone blocks back in the days with a drill. <laughs> wow. Seriously, all the blocks were honed manually back in from, you know, the early days before he finally got the CK-10. And you got to understand this is CK-10 was a big deal back then, just like the flow bench. Fast Times' flow bench, Fast Times and, I should say, Edges by Gary Brown's flow bench and Bob Glidden's flow bench came the same day to each of the shops. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is, these are shops that were like history. You know, like you didn't, when Ed was, Ed was, is still one of the smartest men I know. I mean, he really is. Yeah. Well, and you know, this stuff's all very fascinating to me because over the years, you know, I've gotten bits and pieces of this story, but I never really got, you know, kind of the, the whole chronology. Um, and at that point, uh, obviously a few years later, but Fast Times is known to be one of the first with the cool toys. I mean, uh, didn't their Superflow Dino have like some crazy low serial number on it? No, uh, th- that I, I don't really know the details on the Superflow. It was probably the Flow Bench that was the super. That, that might be the Flow Bench story. Okay. Because I could have swore that that might have been Bob Glidden's and theirs were like early, early Superflows, early, yeah. early Dino uh, uh, Flow Benches. And then they went to the bigger one after that. They had the small one, and then they had the one that flowed more CFN as his cylinder heads got bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? But <clears throat> Right. Yeah. Too cool. So, you know, Jeff starts building engines, um, kind of, you know, growing up in the shop to a certain degree. Yep. And you end up uh, transitioning from doing the majority of, uh, you know, street performance, if you will, to use a euphemism, yes. to yes. Uh, maybe getting involved with some organized stuff. Um I'm guessing early on, like some of the weekend shootouts and then eventually like NMCA. It was, there was, Chuck Samuel used to make fun of me and call my garage the unfinished car museum. And (laughs) and I I thought that's what my garage was called. (laughs) Right? 
I mean, I, you know, and, and it was funny in one summer, I finished all the cars because, you know, you just get sick and tired of getting teased. So before you know, you just, I knocked everything out. Well, so Chuck was saying, we've got to get, uh, stop the street racing baloney. You know, he goes, they're actually going to start having stuff at events. Let's try to get your Impala to run at an event. So uh, Flowmaster had a, a shootout in Michigan. I remember this and the, oh, I should, I, let me, let me back up. The year before, there was a guy out there named Randy Lambert who had a yellow 67 Impala. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it, it was cool black at car. one time. It was such a cool car when it was black. I mean, I, yellow, I know he, they, they want, he painted it yellow to get on more magazines because nobody puts a black car on a cover of a magazine. But I just loved the car. And, and back in the day, though, that car would run 950s, 60s, and 70s, and that was really fast for a street car. Especially a uh, big fastback Impala, like a 67. Cor like Correct, that. yeah. Well, so at the end of the year, that year, they stuck uh, Kevin Lawrence in the car, who, who at the time probably weighed a, a buck 20. You know what I mean? He was he was mm -hmm. light. And uh, I think he went nine, I'm going to say 930s or something with the car. Maybe, maybe 920s. He might have gone 920s. But yeah. it was like, you know, and that was superhuman. So the next season in spring, they're going to have a Flowmaster shootout at uh, – at Michigan and and over the winter Chuck says to me he goes okay if you want to do this what do you want to do I go well I mean I you know I, I, I want to I'll, I'll build a motor for the Impala but I mean I want it to go low nines and he looks at me and he goes well Randy's car only went 950s and my El Camino went 940s and I go and when I say low nines I mean 899 yeah <laughs> and, and he looks at me he goes well come on Nick you know what do you mean 899 I go well that's what I want that's what I want to do so we show up at the first race of the year at Michigan. I went 928. And at the end of that wow. season, we were at Memphis. And that was uh, 890. I ran 893. And that was it. Once I ran yeah. 893. Wow. It, I mean, it was, you got to remember, there was like back then, Super Street consisted of probably 100 cars in the field. And 64, 64 cars would qualify. And yeah, huge uh, events. Oh, it was so big. And when we were down to the final eight cars, I'd say five of them were from Chicago. And I mean, everybody was a bad dude. I mean, I'm not going to say that the guys who weren't in the top final eight weren't, you know, luck just goes certain ways. Every round somebody goes home. That's just the way racing is, you know? Right. And, but and we, there, it we, was a pretty tight, uh, pretty tight spread too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But when we got down to the final, to the final eight cars, it was five of them were basically our friends and I was the only big car everything else was a Camaro Corvette or a Firebird. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, That's it's true. funny when you see it, when you see a Camaro next to an Impala, you realize the trunk, his, his bumper ends at the beginning of your trunk. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know. that car of course was filled with all kinds of stuff too, to, uh, to be able to do that. Um, how many of those were, were fast times powered cars in that, those final rounds? Final group? Those days? I don't think they, no, they, they were, probably only three or three or four of them. Maybe the other guys were, uh, Scott Fulkerson's guys like Dan bills. Uh, mm -hmm. Bob, Bob Hood was us. Bob Hood was with us. Uh, God, who else? Spiro was right. with us. But to, to pull that lens back. So what you're telling me is, you know, out of a hundred cars, uh, the three or three or four or five in the finals are all from the same engine shop. So, I mean, that's definitely, yeah, that definitely something. says something. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It, it, well, and it got in it, it. That was back in the day when they were knocking out a lot of motors at that shop. When Mark and Wheel was working there, 
I don't know how many motors they finished. They completed a day. Uh, you know, like it was m- probably more than a motor a day that was getting sent out of the shop. You know, like it was yeah. every day motors were getting knocked out and sent out, and real motors, not they weren't building motors. You know, like street motors for nobody. It was they were powerful motors that were getting dyno. You know what I mean? Yeah, like real and, stuff and competing. Yeah. 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 And along the way, um, Hot Rod Magazine started to pick up on this, and they they had their their fastest streetcar shootouts, God, uh, which you fun. Yeah. you played that along in a bunch fun. of those. Yeah, that was that was when racing for me was fun, is because, I mean, I get that we were working and bleeding and crying, and you know it was nuts. But God, those were fun days because everything was done with your two hands and your friend's hands. You know what I mean? It really money helped, but it, money didn't make you nowadays money helps more than it did then. I mean, money definitely helps. Well, I think a big thing is that today, um, you know, obviously for technology and, and manufacturing capability, the average guy can get his hands on stuff that was, you know, a fantasy for when you were doing this. Right, you know, there's right. just so much uh, high-powered stuff trickling down. Obviously, you can look at a new Hellcat and the thing, you know, you know, runs nines from the factory, basically. So that that's not that exciting to today's generation. Yeah. But when you look at what you guys had to do with rudimentary analog, you know, cast iron parts uh, to make these things run like that, it's a it's a whole different universe. You guys had to innovate, you know, every day. I mean, I mean, I'll give you any, uh, uh, one little example. When I said we first met Chuck Samuel, you remember when I uh, I said we met him at Superdog, mm-hmm. and Chuck Samuel was with his girlfriend at the time, who he's still married to, and uh, Carolyn, and we're all at Superdog, and we're gonna he, he uh, his wife actually Carolyn walks up and says, hey, you want to run that car? And and my cousin <laughs> Chuck's '69 Camaro's there, and and I had done the nitrous system on it and the cam, and I picked the cam out for it, and uh, and we go like, yeah, how much? And so we're going to go race. We, we go race on Zenith Road in in basically where ABT is, uh, which is a for people who aren't around here. ABT is a huge uh, appliance store. Getting back to appliances, and and in that area there used to be a road that we would. It's basically right on Milwaukee Avenue, and we would actually street race right on Milwaukee Avenue. I mean, right there. Yeah. So anyway. Milwaukee at that point was a. It was two lanes either direction, right? Yeah, up yeah. there and and trees on both sides and they call it Zenith Road because the the old Zenith Electronics headquarters is right there the TV company. Yep. yep. And at night, um, you've got just as much chance of driving through that as you do as driving through and hitting a deer. Yeah. Well, wait. Well, we 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 raced on Milwaukee there. Uh, let me tell you why though. Here's how much of a snake Chucky was back. Well, actually, both guys were named Chuck. My cousin. It was my cousin Chuck versus Chuck Samuel. We, he brings us out to the blood bank where we race on Milwaukee. And, uh, and I'm at the end with the money and I could hear the cars coming down, you know, I can hear them all coming down the road and I realized they're coming by me and then they're, you know, they're going, I'm sure they're going 130 Yeah, easy. and they fly by me dead next to each other. I mean, oh, when I say next gosh. to each other, you couldn't, you couldn't tell. So at the end of the race, like I come up, I go, who won? My cousin Chuck goes, I don't know. Oh, and I go, man. what do you mean? You were in the car. He goes, Nick. The motor was 500 RPM than it's ever been in its life in the lights. I look at Chuck Samuel. I go, how long is this track? And Chuck Samuel smiles at me. He goes, well, I figured you guys had a 513 gear in that car, so I brought you to a long track. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Chuck's another one who's uh, in the smart yeah. club for sure. Yeah. yeah, so that wasn't 1,320. That was around 1,400 feet. 
So we're going with a 513 gear at 80 some hundred whatever RPM in the lights. Wow. Anyway, yeah, and now now the other part of that story was on the starting line, Chuck Samuel thinks he's going to take money away from these these nobodies. So he puts on his helmet on the starting line, and my cousin Chuck looks over at him like, he goes, this nerd's putting on a helmet. A helmet, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like back in the day, you know, we're all think we're John Milner in the in American Graffiti. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. right on. No helmets, no safety equipment. What are you talking about? Exactly. So he Chuck Samuels next to it, you know, looking over, thinking he's freaking my cousin Chuck out. My cousin Chuck got a stick in the Camaro, puts it in first gear. They're looking at the cross-section there, you know, lights. The lights are changing. Light turns green, and Chuck Samuel goes, all of a sudden, I see a 69 Camaro Fender two feet in the air driving through the intersection on a wheelie. <laughs> wow. And Chuck goes, that's when, he goes, that's when I realized, God, I hope this track's long enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> Chuck legitimately caught him and passed him in the lights, and nobody could have changed money because you couldn't tell who won. Wow. 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 <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, 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 that's great. Those are fun. Those are fun days. Oh, they're great stories. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a lot of them. Oh man, for sure. So, um, kind of looping back to the initial part of this conversation. So, Fast yes. Times. Then Jeff ran it all the way up through the 2000s, uh, and kind of changed directions a little bit and got into the family business of uh, Italian restaurants. He did. He well. So 2000 and I believe it was four-ish. He said, "Listen, I got to finally start making money. This is crazy doing this, you know, race car stuff." <laughs> and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and he, he, the business turned into Graham's business, who Graham used to work for me, and Graham worked for Fast Times. Graham worked on my car, and then he worked for Spiro as the crew chief on Spiro Pappas's car when it went 380. Now, think about this. They still talk about how fast 380s in the 8th is, and Spiro went 380s back in, like, I don't know, 2000, 2003, something like that. I mean, that's yeah. pretty fast. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Graham Jones needs to be pointed out, too, because Graham Jones was almost like the ultimate super fan he just would would drive from what atlanta to go meet you guys at a race and just hang out so every race i went to i would just say i'm gonna be there and he would show up and he yeah, did that he for just legitimately a... two years he just yeah, showed up he... at every race i needed a man and then before you know it he moved here and he lived in my house yeah, that's <laughs> right and, and, he couldn't and do now it. he and now, now now he's he's married with a beautiful little baby and <clears throat> And he's the he's he is technically right now the owner of Fast Times, although I don't know how it works because the equipment's still Jeff's, and I'm sure that there there is some arrangement. You know, that Jeff Graham's probably paying it down, and but I think Graham is the boss. And but what's really funny about this whole scenario is come full circle, uh, Jeff has now been back at Fast Times uh, since the coronavirus hit. Jeff has been there every single day. Oh wow! Yeah, at Fast Times. And that, that is so cool on several levels because, first of all, um, it's kind of putting the band back together in, in a crazy way. Um, I think when, when Graham, you know, envisioned getting into all this stuff, uh, it, he, he wanted to work with you and, and Jeff, you know, anyway. I mean, that's that was kind of the draw is to build race motors but do it with, with some of the best. And then when Jeff split off and was doing the, uh, the restaurants – his the the family restaurants are awesome. Jeff's uh, Jeff has yeah, two yeah. of them, and his cousins have a few others. and And I've eaten at, at all of them, I think. And uh-huh. uh, the pizza is the best, uh, in my opinion. You know, it, it's the it's the benchmark. So when I heard Jeff was you know going to be doing the the pizza restaurants in Glenview, Illinois, there used to be a naval air base right there, and they they 
uh, I guess Bill Clinton closed the base and then it became uh, a housing area with condos and shopping. And that's where, his, where Jeff's first restaurant went in in Glenview. And if you recall, I don't know if Mike knows this, but the very first episode of VATV, we watched it live from that restaurant. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting yeah. trivia. Yeah. We ha- oh, damn, I should have saved that. How about that? You wrecked it. You wrecked yeah. it. So Jeff was gracious enough to let us host a little uh, premiere party there, and, and we ate and drank and had a great time. And and I think Jeff was feeling the pressure from his family, who are all you know very successful in the in the restaurant business, and you know quit getting your hands dirty, you know make pizzas instead of race engines. But today to hear, you know, we always knew we we you go there all the time, uh, you know pre in the before times, you know, pre coronavirus. Yeah, when we could when we could sit next to each other and actually have a beer, right? <laughs> right, and, and we'd all sit there uh, and and talk about you know all kinds of stuff from these kind of, you know, remember when stories to, you know, following, you know, current pro stock to, you know, engine theory. And, you know, what if he did this? And you had some of the, those great minds that were behind that whole Chicago racing scene, you know, 20, 30 years ago are still hanging out. Um, and, and Jeff, you know, kind of comes to life in those conversations uh, far more than when it's, um, you know, I have to make, you know, more food for people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is true. I mean, and, and, and he has been in a better mood and, and, and in better spirits during this whole situation with his businesses doing terrible. I mean, you got to remember, you know, nobody's allowed to go to a restaurant right now. It's or a bar. It's terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so for him to actually have a smile on his face, Today he was honing, he's honing a, a set of 440 uh, Chrysler rods, and and the pistons were over because they just everything just got done being balanced. And I looked over at the pistons and I legit I go, is that like for a diesel or something? <laughs> and Jeff goes, he goes, yeah, they're they're big. I go, they put pistons that big in an engine? Like they're you ever see how big a Chrysler? Like I'm used to touching lightweight, cool looking. You know what I mean? But when you look at a standard 440 piston, it's a big, heavy clunker. You know what I mean? It's oh, it's big. a sledgehammer. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jeff, but Jeff was getting off on making everything perfect. He's mm-hmm. he was licking the rod. Like when I say licking, he's got <laughs> the rods on the rod machine, making the the bore of the of the rod perfect. And he's you could just see the care and the um, <clears throat> the pride he was mm-hmm. taking and doing that task, that little mundane task to him. And you know what's really funny? That's what makes people happy. Money does not make you happy. That's yeah. satisfaction makes you happy. And, and when you do something like that and you have pride in it, I don't know, man, that's worth it, you know? Oh, totally, totally. And and I know, you know, there's no doubt that he, he crafts the, the, the operations at the restaurant too. But when you were saying before that uh, Gary Brown didn't necessarily like the customer aspect, that's stressful. It's a different skill set to deal with people all day long. Some people can do it and some people it brings them stress. And I think, you know, Jeff is more of a guy who likes to be in control of the whole project. He's in control of that rod and that machine yep. and, and that yep. engine. And that brings him his inner peace. He doesn't have somebody, you know, that is calling up saying, I can't make my shift or, or you know, just all the variables that you would deal with in a restaurant, customers and suppliers and, and all the rest of it, the menu. Right. So it's a far more relaxed environment for him. And I always... It was funny the first time I, I came back from California and went to Fast Times when it was still in uh, in Glenview, I guess, or Morton Grove. Glenview, right? Morton Grove. Glenview, Glenview, yeah. Glenview. And, uh, you know. You, oh, you, wait, what do you mean? Did you say Fast Times or. or, or yeah, Fast Times. Fast Times. Fast Times, that was Morton Grove. Yeah, yeah right on the edge of Morton yeah. Grove. Correct. And uh, that was the old building. I guess Spiro owned that building, Spiro Pappas, uh, at some point. But it right. was. 
it was not a state-of-the-art appearing facility. It was an old brick place, you know, cinder block and kind of a mess. And, and inside, you know, the engine shop was clean um, and organized, but you really didn't know what to expect when you walked in the door because it, it, it felt kind of like, you know, uh, this, uh, what's the best way to, it was kind of gritty, you know, it was, it wasn't like high polish with graphics all over the place and a, you know, a a receptionist and everything. You, you really had to know, you had to find it. First of all, you had to go down this road by the railroad tracks and in the back. And then you had to have a reason to be there. You know, you couldn't just walk in and hang out. Um, and you'd go in there, but once you got inside and you see Jeff at work, I mean, you're, you're almost hearing classical music playing in your head, you know, (laughs) (laughs) seeing this guy do you know honing his craft and and that's what i think is so cool today because uh uh, graham spent time there and ended up you know working the arrangement to carry on the fast times name and how cool it must be for him to be able to work with his mentor again um having accumulated a whole bunch of experience on his own and like you're saying you know working with spiro and and setting records and everything else so he he was trained properly and um, no doubt developed his own uh style and system but to have jeff come back in and uh and and work together i think that's that's probably pretty cool well but the, the 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 thing that i think helps somebody out anybody working alone you know really that you could get crazy in your head by mm-hmm. yourself. So I can work by myself because I'm in your house for an hour and then I'm gone. You know what I mean? But, Je- but Graham was working at Fast Times now and and for years by himself, 100%. And he would hire kids and fire them. Hire, you know what I mean? You just couldn't get people to work. So you, you, you almost make yourself crazy inside of your head. Well, now you've got somebody like Jeff there who, if you bounce an idea off of him, if you say, hey, what are your thoughts on if I were to change this? You've got somebody actually as smart or, per, you know, smarter, giving you an option or a discussion or an argument back, which that helps you not go insane. You know what I mean? Right, and 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 it makes you grow. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. One so, thing I remember uh, Graham saying that I thought was pretty fun was he said uh, you could take you could take twenty engine blocks, twenty freshly machined blocks, uh, and line them up in a row. And Graham will be able to tell you which one Jeff D'Agostino machined. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, he was he was crazy. That's quite a talent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, so in those street engines, the street race engine, when I say street, you know, I, I uh-huh. we mean the same thing. It's a it's a car that, you know, like a super street uh-huh. car, ten and a half inch tire, not necessarily street sure. legal, but kind of appears that way. Sure. Um what are some of the things, you know, some of those care items that you got to do to kind of make these pieces fit together that uh, your your parts store machine shop, you know, just doesn't do? Well, okay. So, um, you know, the truth is a quality machined engine just gives you an engine that's not going to come apart for a dumb reason. <laughs> the, the stuff that we did, the stuff that the good racers did – was not destroy a perfectly good engine. You know what I mean? So, like, I'll give you an example. When, back in the day, when I was spraying the dog crap out of the Impala, I mean, I was spraying it like an idiot. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Samuel is looking at the main caps. He's getting ready to just to, to, to lick the mains so that, you know, we could put it back together. And he's going, do you see this? And he's showing me the caps upside down and the block. And there was metal transfer between my block, my main caps and the block. He goes, 
Nick, you gotta take some timing out of this engine. He goes, the metal, the caps are moving back and forth so much that metal is sticking to each other and causing oh them, God. it's almost like, Jeez. it's like rub welding together, okay? And that's because, I mean, I was going down the track with 28, 29 degrees of timing. And I mean, I was spraying it like a man. You know, like, yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. you know, and, and then you find out that that wasn't the smartest way, but that was the way, just like when we used to leave the starting line, you know, with 1,200 pounds of bottle pressure. Those things worked for me in the day. But truthfully, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't do it that way. But I mean, we back back in those days, man, when I would let that nitro system fly, that car would be on the back bumper driving out, so it, it looked good, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know right. <laughs> well, I think you know the 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 phrase might be it worked because the engine stayed together to allow it to work. That's possible. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the, we did learn. I mean, things there, there was a lot of little things back then that we learned, especially camshafts, like our cams were different than a lot of other people's cams. And I'll give you an example. We were at a race and I'm not going to name names, but a guy said to me, uh, so what power did your motor make? And, and that was in my black Impala. And at the time it only made, it made 810, you know, he goes, well, my motor's a, a certain brand motor and it made uh, you know, made 850. I go, well, good. Then you'll be able to beat me really easy today. <laughs> well because you know i mean attacks, like you know well i mean you know you made 800 and some horsepower and i'm sitting there going meanwhile okay you got 800 horsepower here and we were spraying we had a nitrous plates at the time and i had two you know two i had 102 thousandths on the starting line of nitrous and 110 thousandths of nitrous on the second stage and i'm going that's another 400 horsepower I'm putting in the engine. So either you have 1,200 horsepower at the end of it, or you don't. And obviously, his 68 Camaro couldn't beat me because I won. Right. <laughs> 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 so, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's the other fun part about racing is it doesn't matter what the equipment is if you can't get it down the track consistently and yep. and keep everything together. You know, there's there's that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mean, there uh, was, there was, there, there, go ahead. I'm sorry. My I, I think a big part of it also is that mental psych out, just like you were saying, well, you should be able to beat me pretty easy then. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You and, think, and, you think there was a little I, of that going on? Yeah. And occupying <laughs> oh some space in someone else's head and then, then they screw up and then boom, there you go. Well, so. that's where, that's where my initials came from. When, when we were in a, a race in, in Orlando and a racer from uh, Canada was there. And he had said to me, I walk, I, I like, I just like to you know, be safe. Good luck. I tell people I'm going to race them. I, I'm nobody's enemy. We're friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I go, uh, be safe and good luck. You know, he goes, and who are you again? And I, at the time, I remember I had a Coca-Cola, you know, actual red can sugar in it, Coca-Cola, <laughs> which yeah. I, by the way, I can't even imagine drinking a Coca-Cola right now. There's so much sugar in it. But anyways, right. I'm drinking it. And, and, I, and I, I tell him, I'm, I'm the guy with that Impala next to you. He goes, oh, okay, yeah. He didn't even say, he, said, he didn't say congratulations or good luck back, nothing. I go, okay. And I'm walking away and going, really, really? Who am I? Really? <laughs> who am I? <laughs> who am I? I'm Nick so, F. And Scavo. I, I, That's who I yeah, am. Now you know Now you know where my middle initial came from. My initials are NFS. <laughs> Nick F. And Scavo, dude. <laughs> I threw the can in the You're garbage. You're about to find out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember I, 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 we pulled next to each other at Orlando. I, I let go of the trans brake. It was on a wheelie all the way through second gear. The car would not come down from the wheelie. <laughs> I, I pulled it. was a column shifted car, remember? It was a, I shifted yeah. into second, and, the, and it wouldn't come down. Finally, it starts settling down. I click third. 
I pull the shoots and I and I legitimately look into his light. I go, that's who the. Well, and and what I love about that those kind of stories is that you know you it, it's okay if you can bring it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like and you I don't run even around. mind, dude. I don't even mind losing. I, like I said, every round one person goes home. Drag racing is. You know, 32, 16, 8, 4, 2. Every round, 50% of you goes home. That doesn't make you a dummy or a bad person. So, in other words, when I've lost, I don't cry. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you don't need to be a jerk, too. I never understood that. Like, I, I legitimately have helped more. I raced Bob Curran's car, the late Bob Curran. Uh, and I, he, he had to go to a, his, his, fan, uh, his high school reunion. So he goes, well, you built my Corvette. Why don't you just go drive it? It's like, well, okay. So I took it to, to the uh, Hot Rod Magazine race in Memphis. And I go up to another racer and, and we're there. And first of all, the guy was kind of frustrated that I was racing because I raced in a class above them. And I go, dude, what, what? it's just a car. You know, what, what are you talking about? So I go to him. I go, you know, your car's leaving. The way your car leaves, the suspension's weird in the back. And I go, you could tell by the way it's sitting. I go, if, if you just look at it, you see how your car's sitting. And I'm telling him, he goes, well, sure, you're going to tell me how to make my car run bad so that you can, you know, win. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and I looked at him, just to swear on my mother's grave, this is what I said. I go, Tony, I hope you run the best ET you ever ran. I hope you set the record, and I hope I send you home. <laughs> and by the way, two, two rounds later, he went 852, set the record, and I sent him home because I treat him. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah. and I and I ran reset the mile per hour record two or three runs in a row in Bob's car, and I kept writing a mile per hour on his dashboard so he'd remember every time he drove it he has to beat that mile per hour record. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's good to have goals. <laughs> good to have goals. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, uh, that's what I think is so cool about that sport is you know you can you can build a car and you can build an engine and everything else, but you know, it really comes down to when the light turns green and, and who's through the lights fast first and, and who's fastest at the big end of the track. And, you know, it's kind of a, a short version. It's a 1320 foot long version of how you look at life, you know, yeah. because every day you wake up and you, you're faced with challenges and everything else. But if you can focus on what you're doing and get good at it and learn from it and not, be destroyed when things don't go well, you know, pretty soon you can get to the point where, you know, you can command kind of what's happening. And when you're up against somebody else and, and they give you a hard time and, and you've got the experience and the ability to drive and you, you know, your machine, and everything else. And yeah, you could, you could look at them and say, sure, pal, whatever you want. I'll see you. Yeah. I'll see you in eight and a half seconds. Uh, I hope you're there. Well, I mean, but, but think about how, I mean, if you can't be, if you can't understand how to lose, when we put the turbocharger in the 69 Camaro, and we were lost. And when I say lost, I mean, I couldn't figure out what to do to save my life. We I lost first round, I think, for a year straight. One year mm-hmm. straight, I never went past first round. I mean, and and we would just be driving home going, mind you, we had a stick. We had a turbocharger with a stick. And that was really, really hard to figure out. I just, I had a hard sure. time with it because as, as the counterweight would come in, it would add load. As load came in, if the turbo got happy, as the turbo got happy, it added power. It was a vicious circle of 
figuring out how to make the car not go nuts. And, uh, and I just kept losing. And, you know, finally we put a Bruno in the car and man, that helped everything, by the way, the Bruno solved all, all my problems. And, and with that car in 2003, then we wound up winning the championship. But in order to win the championship in 2003, we had to lose for a year straight in 2001. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know totally. what I mean? So, so I, I those were know. tough times. Cause I, I remember, so that those were the days when I was covering the NMCA races for hot rat TV and mm-hmm. I'd see you, you know, every third or fourth weekend in a different city. And it's like, okay. You know, and you're kind of coming off that, that high of being a nitrous guy all those years and, cl- yeah. and not only understanding how nitrous systems work, but innovating and, and coming up with ways to, you know, Mike, I don't know if you've ever heard some of the stories of the nitrous hardware that Nick invented that eventually got purchased by companies that, you know, you can buy this stuff today. Oh, you know? wow. These well, the, du- were- the double, cro- the double cross plate I invented, there's no ifs, ands, or buts because I was called in for, for a deposition on that plate when there was a patent infringement on it. So when they called me in, they said, so now we want you to, to you know, discuss this plate that you say you invented. I go, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm telling you to look at a magazine that was two years before your patent came out and take a look at that where the nitrous lines are on that nitrous system that's on that Impala. And what's funny, that whole lawsuit got dropped. Oh, well, because you had <laughs> enough proof, you know. Yeah, and but that, the thing that... is, NOS had it after me, and, and, and I don't mind NOS having it because they did help me out through the years. So because NOS, but another company was a company claiming it was theirs, and that's what got me Ah, uh, okay. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So, so you knew nitrous, but yeah, the turbo thing was a whole different deal. And at the time you felt you needed to have it to be competitive because at that point the, um, so, you know, power adders are either nitrous or a supercharger or a turbocharger. Sure. And each one of those was handled differently in the rule book. So the turbo cars, for whatever reason, were given a weight advantage over the other types of supercharged cars or, or, or nitrous cars. And they made so much more power. And, you know, I think the weight break might have been kind of a bone because they were so unpredictable at that point. And, uh-huh. you know, you didn't have the odds that everybody, you didn't have the consistency. So when you guys showed up with the turbo, and if I'm not mistaken, it was a, like a 400 inch big block, a small big block. It was a three and a quarter stroke, 402 cubic inch big block Chevy. Yeah. And, and went, then uh, I, used to, I used to shift it. I used to shift at 9,200. Gee whiz. (laughs) Mind you, mind you with a five speed. So it had a five speed stick in it. So picture first gear, I'd be out. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why it was a handful. It was an animal. I mean, sport bike RPM numbers. Yeah, it was crazy. It was. How about the time I spun the tires with it? It spun the tires so bad that I got aggravated and I wouldn't lift. So when I get back to the trailer, (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, Jeff looks at me and he goes, uh, so you you think you should have lifted at some point? <laughs> no. Go, Why? He goes well. He goes. He points at the data log, and, he, and the, the engine RPM was ten thousand two hundred and eighty RPM. And I looked at him. I go, well, if it ran out of power, there should have stopped spinning the tires then. <laughs> it, it was still in it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If if it's if it, if it wasn't meant to be at that RPM, I, it should have ran out of power, and it didn't. So that's, right. I, that's when we we got so aggravated that once we realized that our whole problem was was power management. It wasn't making power. We were making stupid power, but power management was the problem. And the, so the minute we stuck a Bruno in it with a uh, with a with a torque converter, and at the time it was a PTC torque converter. And then we want to going to uh, Neil Chance's converter after that, and mm-hmm. then a Pro Tour. But the 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 
why aren't we stuck it in there? The car went down the track, and then after that, it went faster and faster. And before you know it, it picked up two tenths with the turbo. And uh, I mean, once seven forties back in the day, when when seven forties was fast, you know, what I mean, back nowadays it doesn't seem like it's that much, you know, what I mean, but but seven forties was fast back then. Well, and people have to understand that that '69 Camaro was a real '69 Camaro Z28 car, right? Correct. VIN oh, number and boy. everything. Yeah, yeah. And it was a stock front suspension car. Oh my Correct. goodness. Correct. Yeah. So this thing's yeah. going 740s at uh, what? 195? 194. Yeah, 194, yeah, right? 194 <laughs> on stamped steel GM control arms, <laughs> you know, no tubular, nothing. Uh, obviously, the full safety cage, you know, steel GM doors with uh, uh, how many holes drilled in them and everything. Okay, but well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, now I'll start telling you some tricks. So the rules were you had to have steel doors. I did. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I had steel doors glued to fiberglass doors on the inside and everything was all held together with aluminum pieces on the inside. Nice. <laughs> so if they, che- so if they checked the outside of my door, a magnet stuck to it. So technically my car was legal. Nice. You know nice. What I mean? That's, that's the interpretation part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I know. There we go. I'm, I'm a, I'm a rule interpreter. <laughs> that's what you gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you landed on a really key point and that's, uh, learning how to lose. And and I think that is sorely missing from a lot of our upbringing of, of people today. You know, people are not taught how to lose. They're taught win, 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 win. And then when, when they don't score the winning basket or their team loses or they don't win the race or whatever, they're crushed. And I think it's far more important to teach somebody how to lose, to step back and pull the emotion out and say, okay, let's find out what happened. You know, let, let's yeah. look at the play. Let's look at the film, you know, the video. Let's look at the, the race and try and figure out what happened so that that never happens again. And that's right. what that Anal- whole season was. Right. Exactly. Analyzing the fight is the key. I mean, if you can't figure out how not to get punched, it, the you know what I mean? It, you could be the best boxer in the world. If you get hit all the time, you're going to go down. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're going to have to figure out how to make sure, you know, that you got to watch the tapes and see what everybody else is doing and figure out what you're doing wrong because you're doing something wrong. You're getting hit. Right. And, and you got to put that, uh, that ego aside, you know, you got to really say, okay, I, I recognize that I'm losing here and I got to figure it out. And I think, you know, for me, I, I use a lot of analogies of the space program, the early Apollo and Gemini and, and, and those programs, because that's what those guys did. They had no idea how to do what was tasked of them. And they, they failed over and over again. Um, and they just had to sit back and say, okay, well, what happened and why? And let's fix this. And and when you're sitting on, how much power do you think that Camaro was making at its peak? Which one? The silver one? Uh, the silver turbo car, yeah. Turbo, probably 2,500, I guess. 20, 20, yeah, 2,500, I would imagine. Yeah, and it weighed what thirty? What is it? Thirty-two hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's all in the mail. Ooh-wee. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the purple car uh, was more aerodynamic, more powerful, and and more out of control, and and faster than that one. Yeah, that one six sixty is at uh, two twenty-seven, hundred seventy-six the eighth. Uh, you know, basically Holy on God. a wheelie. I mean, it it that that car was fun. I I it's still sitting in the garage. It's it's sixty feet away from me right now. <laughs> wow! Wow! So, you know, here we are today. The, the last time you raced that, it's been a few years now, right? We won the race. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were lucky. A champion. That, that was a lucky weekend we went to win that race. <laughs> Pulled so, a Michael Jordan and retired on top. You know, but. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I was going to come out again this year. We were talking about bringing the car out to go to some of those, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the 
no no prep races and then the the, the coronavirus hit and for all of you know it kind of changed everything because you know the, with Jeff at the restaurant and although Jeff's at the machine shop now, so it's you this know what I mean. Where but, I'm going? This is where yeah, I'm going. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I <laughs> know. So now we we got Jeff back at the machine shop. So he's thinking about it. You know it. And oh yeah. And you got the car. The car's still sitting there. It's probably still current enough to be you know legal. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. 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 And today we don't know when these events are going to start opening back up again. Things are getting rescheduled and pushed back a little bit. And, and kind of what I think for, for somebody in your shoes and in Jeff's shoes and anybody else who you know wants to play along, this is not a bad time to be in because if you guys had a conversation and said, Hey, you know what? Uh, we think there's going to be a race in July. Why not for fun, go out and, and, and try to make that happen knowing that, you know what? In July, that race might get pushed back to the middle of August. It, you might actually pick up a little bit of time as you're scrambling to get there. Um, and it, it might be a good opportunity to do it. I say go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, uh... well, I do too. You know what? I, I didn't have the opportunity to ever watch you race. I didn't grow up in this area, in the Chicagoland area. But okay. I'll tell you what, if you brought that car out, I would go watch you race. I, I would too. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the problem is for us, it, it's, you know, back when we were younger, I would have two or three guys in my garage every mm-hmm. night. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. nowadays, like I said, Graham's got a little one-year-old baby. Uh, Joey's got three kids that he was a main helper on my team. All of a sudden now everybody's a grown up. you know, taking care of other people. And I mean, little people, you know, like really little ones. Sure. And, and so for me to, I can't all of a sudden just say to guys, okay, that's it. We're putting the band back together. You know, it's, no, it's a little... but the, the difference is I think the, the desired outcome might be a little different. I'm not saying campaign this thing to go win the series. Got it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Which, and two things come into play. One, all of you guys are older and smarter now, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not scrambling around as much bumping your head against the wall to kind of achieve this. And the other thing, like you were mentioning about Jeff getting back into the, uh, the engine shop and, and finding that, that sense of enjoyment. If you guys took this thing out, you know, once or twice this year, you guys would just enjoy the heck out of it. It would just be so much fun. I I suggested it. And the funny thing is since the motor that's in my purple car was originally in Chuck's pickup truck back in, I think 99, Hmm. we could actually have shirts party. Like it's 1999. We could put (laughs) on the front of the car, the over the hill gang on the front spoiler of the car. You know what I mean? (laughs) It would be, it would be a lot of fun for you. It would be an attraction for everybody else. You know, guys like Mike who, you know, didn't have the opportunity or, or people, you know the thousands that did if they if they knew that you guys were going to be out at the track uh like you're saying some some fun merchandising recently by the way i bought one of those uh, uh fast time shirts that uh, uh graham had reprinted with uh with all the you know the cars on it the five uh, cars yeah. the five cars on it yeah, yeah. so nostalgia is huge you know and you know the music industry tanked when they were starting to sell digital downloads one song at a time. And then the, you know, the, the distributor took all the cash and you saw all of your favorite artists hitting the road again. You know, you yeah, see, yeah. you know, the, the Rolling Stones are still touring and you name it, they're all on the road except for the Corona thing. And in, uh-huh. in, a, in a strange kind of way, that's the, this is your opportunity to kind of do that same deal, you know, and, and, and not have to be 75 or 80 years old, you know, isn't like Jim Croce or somebody doing a tour. He's 80 years old. Oh my God. 
really. Yeah, and he needs the money. That's his problem. Is there was no more record sales, and for his lifestyle, he's got to he's got to pack stadiums. But uh, in your case, uh, I, I think that would just be so cool. So maybe I, I agree. I'd like to. I'll send Jeff a text. It isn't going to do anything, but I'll, I'll send him a message. You know. Oh no, he's in. I'm 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 the problem. <laughs> oh, you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm the problem. <laughs> Go figure that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's 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 hard. The money aspect of it. You know, we went through so much money as as kids having mm-hmm. the fun that we did. And the problem is, I I. Re- I really was a washer and dryer M a washer and dryer repairman. So for, yeah. for people not to understand, you know, like, well, yeah, these guys are here and they got this and they got that. No, I, all the, all the stuff that I have is all my money. It's gone. It's all in that car. And now, uh, you know, look, I got a wife in the healthcare field so she could take care of me with health insurance. So she, that she can't, oh, I say, <laughs> she, she can't reach you right now. Right. Otherwise she'd be hitting you. If you were going to say my wife can take care of me. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, again, the goals are a little bit different. You're not trying to make every race and travel no, right. to, to yeah. Florida and every, because you know, that, that, that life was brutally hard for all you guys who had day jobs and, you know, working all day uh, at the job and then working at night on the car and then all weekend and you get home at, you know, one or two in the morning, Sunday night or 10 or 10 Monday morning and have to get right back to it. I mean, I don't even know how you guys did it, but. It was, it was silly. It really was. I mean, but we were young. You know what I mean? That's what, I don't know how Graham did it. If then Graham Jones would drive all the way back to Atlanta, if we'd be at a race you yeah, know, in Maryland. Yeah. It went to Michigan Maryland, and he'd drive yeah. all the way home. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's saying something. It's dedication that a lot of people, you just don't see that much anymore. But, uh, but I tell you, I watch, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And there's these guys, you know, like Cletus McFarlane and all those guys who are on YouTube. They are one block away from Brainerd Racetrack. And I was saying to my wife the other night, I go, can you imagine back in the mm. day if Fast Times was one block away from a, from a drag strip? Oh, oh man. man. I'd have been yeah. out of my mind. I mean, I would have been changing parts 10 hours a day. I'd have oh, just yeah. been trying, you know, four link. Oh, my God. I was at a, we were at a, a, a race in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And we were changing four link settings and I would make two runs with every setting and I'm under the car changing four link. And then I'd go make two more runs and then change the car, make two more runs. And at one point I fainted under the car. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. I did. It was a hundred and some degrees and I'm working yeah. like a madman, you know? And, and at some point, at one point I remember like I, I, I closed my eyes and I, and I remember waking up, like looking around going, I wonder if anybody noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Is this blood mine? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that was crazy. But, that, you know, now if you had a track that was right there, right next to your shop, where you could put the car up on a lift or something, oh, man, would we have fun doing that. Yeah, because you were, that that shop was just far enough away from Union Grove to where that was just out of the realm of possible, you know, about an hour away. And yeah. you know, the tra- track wasn't open all the time and everything else. But, yeah, cool stuff. Well, listen, I think uh, I, we got a couple things. I wanted to uh, do a, a quick shout-out before the show's over. Um, Mike had talked about a 49 Olds the other day with yeah. a, a translucent hood that he had seen on Hot Rod Power Tour. Turns out a guy named Ken Mitchell knows the car, right? And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He reached out to us, and he knows the guy who owns it. A guy named uh, Ron Williams uh, actually owns that car, and uh, he's, uh, yeah, Ken is friends with him. Too cool. And, yeah, he's and, owned the car for a long time. Yeah, really small world. 
We and it's like a plus. It's a, was a plexiglass hood or something like you could actually see through it. Exactly. Yeah, it was a forty nine olds, uh, and it and, and the, uh, the dealers would get these. Um, they would think they were made out of Lexan or, or Pyrex, oh. and they would they were there to display the brand new for forty nine overhead valve engine that was brand new. It was, that Oldsmobile and Cadillac came out in forty nine. And the old Zealers got these see-through hoods, and they were normally they weren't designed, they weren't meant to go with the car when the car sold. So they were pulled off the car, they were stored, and this guy Ron Williams found uh, knew of where this one was, and he was able to get it from a dealer and uh, restore the car and put it on the car. That's yeah. cool. And, oh, it's amazing. You, and and you saw the thing on Power Tour, and the and, and then the guy that that knows the owner just happens to be a listener. So Correct. Yeah. That, that was why we want to give him a shout out. That was cool. Thanks, Ken, for, for yeah. bringing that up. Uh, also, a quick, quick shout out to our friend Vinny Costa uh, at Street Muscle Mag. Um, Street Muscle, they had me on as a guest for their Rodcast, um, which I'm still not 100% sure why they, they wanted to hear my silly stories. And it was very kind of them to, to, to have me uh, join. But um, they just published a video, uh, What is Pro Touring, in which it goes back to that whole story that was Mike's trivia question of where did I think the term Pro Touring came from? And they verified it was truly Mark Stilo. Yep. And, and they have Jeff Smith's story about the logo and all that stuff. So I was not making that up. No, I know you weren't. <laughs> but it was just interesting that the timing all came out at the same time. So uh, shout out to uh, to Vinny Costa and, and Greg Acosta, who uh, is... You know, the other guy at Street Muscle, actually at Engine Labs. And, you know, thanks to them for having me on. Another quick shout out. And before we uh, let Nick go free to go um, get his act together and get the race car on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you have work we to have do, to, Nick. Yes, we have to answer our trivia questions before, uh, you know, the natives get restless. So, uh, Nick, you had the first question. So we'll let you go first, uh, revealing the correct answer. Uh, the, about the 409. Yes. Uh, it yes. came out in mid-season 61, Ooh. and even though everybody normally would answer 62, it, it was uh, mid-season yep. 61. So we got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> better be, better to be lucky than good. Better be lucky than good. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, Mike, what was yours? All right, mine was, uh, can you name all platforms, the chassis platforms that the Impala was built on? And Kevin said the A and B body, and Nick said the B body. Well, B was is is part of the correct answer. However, the, the all the platforms are the B body, the W body, and the Epsilon two platform. So well, the course, W yeah, was yeah. the X frame then. No, the B body was fifty seven through eighty five, and then ninety four through ninety six. Or excuse me, fifty eight wow. through eighty five. Ninety four through ninety six. Was all B body, W body yeah. ninety nine through twenty fourteen, with uh, the the 2014 to twenty sixteen had the Impala Limited, and then the Epsilon two the, the 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 latest Impala is the Epsilon two platform from twenty fourteen till now. How funny is it that we all thought the Impala was over by ninety six? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and in your case. Long before that. Yeah. <laughs> a funny story. I used to sell Impalas at a Chevy dealer in 99. I remember when that new Impala came out. We were all giddy with excitement on it. Wow. Right really? On. Yeah. Which is uh, also the Caprice uh, police car. It will, all the I'm, way through the, the mid-2000s, the rear drive LS platform. The No, no. That W body was a front drive. No, no, no. After that. Oh, 
not not a sister platform of the Impala. But okay. The term Caprice was used on the Chevy version of the Pontiac G8. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, that's correct. And 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 I think you could go to the Chevrolet dealer, and what was it? You could buy the Chevy SS. Chevy SS, yeah. And it really wasn't an animal. It was just an SS. It correct. Wasn't an Impala or anything. Yeah. Right, 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 right. With a six liter or something in it. Yeah. But that's oh, not yeah. that it's... Australian car. That's not essentially the Australian. Um... It, it, it is. It was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what that was. Yeah. The the Holden. Is what is Holden, what it thank truly you, was. thank you, right? You Th- they call those the you know the bay body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got that wrong. Uh, we, Nick and I got part of that one right. Correct, partial credit. Well done, boys. Okay, and I threw you guys the easiest one. Uh, who was the Wally Trophy named for? Nick, of course, said uh, Wally Parks, the originator and head cheese. Of the yes. NHRA. That's a, wait, wait, guys, that's a technical term. That's a technical yes. term. And, and Mike also said Wally Parks, who was a huge force in legitimizing the NHRA, uh, especially with safety, you know, the head cheese. Head cheese. So, yeah, head cheese. <laughs> and you're both you correct. Go. Yeah, Wally was the guy that uh, basically started the NHRA, was the president. Uh, but he was also uh, editor of Hot Rod Magazine for many, many years. He was. Wow. Yes. And uh, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, I try to kind of pitch our trivia questions a little bit towards the guest. Um, I figured Nick might know a little bit something about drag racing. So, you know, that's... Well, I thought Nick might know a little something about Impalas. <laughs> I don't know anything, dude. Are you kidding me? I, I re- my whole life, I've relied on other people to make me look smart. <laughs> yes. Well, see, what you don't know, the, the rule interpretation was probably in play again. You didn't hear him typing his laptop because that's against the rules, but you couldn't hear him texting Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if Eric were here right now, he would know the answers to all the questions. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a lot of fun, man. Uh, thanks for uh, for coming on, Nick. You're welcome. Thank Actually, you. anytime you want to, I appreciate it. You want to have story time, and uh, <laughs> we uh, uh, here at V8 Radio, we invite you to subscribe wherever you're listening to uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or or Google Play or Stitcher or iHeartRadio. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, uh, Mike, you spoke with our good friend Clarence today, you mentioned? I did speak with Clarence today, yeah. We uh, watched him on the uh, Aftermarket Insider podcast uh, with Joe Severgandio and uh, just uh, talked to him a little bit today uh, about his segment, and uh, he we talked about it for about a half hour. Super nice guy. Clarence is great. Clarence is a previous yeah. guest. Uh, Clarence, uh, Nick, is the current host of the Hot Rod Power Tour. Uh, he's oh, the cool. sta- stage guy, and he's, he, if you get a few minutes as you're doing your service calls and you dial back uh, two episodes of V8 Radio, you can hear, uh, hear Clarence. And uh, we invite everybody to, to check all those out. So um, we appreciate you listening. Uh, for Mr. Nick Scavo and Mikey Cuball clark I'm Kevin Oste and V8 Radio reminding you to keep the shiny side up, and we will talk to you next time.